0: Welcome to the modern therapist guide to nothing.
1: Hey, everybody, thanks for tuning in. This is Dave. I'm here with my co host, Greg, and we are about to embark on another journey into the depths of the human mind i guess hey, you, you sound
0: like you're still on mushrooms from the last episode i, I might be <laughs> greg how you doing off you know I, I forgot to mention that I, I i may have been misleading when i said i i had done mushrooms in the past and i remember that the kid who gave them to me said you're never going to be the same and that was after i already ate them oh my god did you lie because your parents were listening <laughs> i didn't, i just didn't <laughs> i just omitted it was a lie by omission Today, though, we're going in a little bit of a different direction. I could probably speak to this maybe a little bit more than you could, especially the idea that maybe you can agree with this. Kids are creepy. There's no doubt about that.
1: Kids are creepy.
0: Yeah. And I'm not just talking like Victorian children because they're definitely creepy. But, you know, if a kid wakes you up in the middle of the night, this just recently happened to me. They don't come and say, excuse me, I've got a problem. They <laughs> hover over your face until you feel their presence. And then you open your eyes and there's a small child like right in front of your face. They are creepy. They do creepy things all the time. Yeah. Um, but one of the creepier things that they do is talk about their little imaginary friends. Okay. You know? Now sure. I didn't, I didn't have, and my kids, I have to admit, none of them have imaginary friends. They wow. suffer the same kind of, um curse that I had and I only had imaginary enemies. Like I was only worried about scary stuff. But what about you, Dave? I'm, I'm interested. Did you have any imaginary friends? Well,
1: I n- I never thought I did until I was actually introduced to the idea of something that I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about. But like it wasn't necessarily like I had imaginary friends, but I definitely had like personalities given to all my toys that would I basically be an
0: imaginary friend <laughs> like yeah, yeah i yeah, guess i did you but like, you know it, what your toys aren't real
1: yeah exactly so like yeah. i always envisioned imaginary friend meaning the very specific like i'm like pretending there's a person in front of me or there's a thing in front of me that's talking to me i didn't have that i had more of along the lines of I had this stuffed animal that his name was Spike and he had a personality. I had all my GI Joes and my superhero toys and, and my Ninja Turtles. And they were very like actively engaged with each other and so, socializing. Now, Dave,
0: now, did you hear them? Now,
1: did they, when you say that? No, had I would make person- up the, I think. So you made up their like,
0: personalities. Yeah.
1: And you know what? I also could be like, kind of like you omitted or AKA lied about not doing mushrooms. And like, I also could be omitting the presence of like, I feel like I had maybe an imaginary friend who was a dog, but I don't really know. I actually have to probably ask my parents and see specifically my mom. I feel like she
0: might know. And I just don't remember. Now, when you're thinking of people having imaginary friends, children having imaginary friends, are you envisioning them seeing something tangible?
1: yes because in my in my head the first reference i get and i and i hate to do a spoiler and get ahead of us the first vision i get is drop dead fred me too right me too so it's in for those not familiar with that super 90s cult oh. movie i guess <laughs> yeah uh it's a girl and she's now an adult and she's her childhood imaginary friend is like returned or whatever. And he's just like annoying, annoying guy who yeah. does super perverted stuff all the time.
0: He's the best. It's not fantasy he calls her. Yeah. So we will talk about that a little bit where we see this in pop culture, but, but before we do that, let's kind of talk about what exactly these things are. And they, I suppose they're like this psychological and social construct where our kids are having friendships with, Things that aren't there. Yeah. Imagine so it could be friends.
1: It could be human. It could be animal. It could be anything, I guess. And they yeah. have their own personality. And one interesting thing that I, I heard, and I guess this really does make sense, is, you know, the personality that's given or the description of the imaginary friend doesn't change over time. So it's almost like it's a consistent person or animal or
0: whatever, like the... It makes it a little more real to them. Yeah, and so personal, people. right? So who's? let's talk about who's affected by this. So obviously children, even though this can happen to adults, and I tried to dig into that a little bit, but it was a little too, I don't want to say weird to because I don't want to be insensitive, but let's just talk about it as as far as children go for now. Most of the time it's going to happen with firstborn children, like the birth order plays a role here, or only children. And that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? because yeah. you know learning to be social is something that we need to survive in our lives so if there's no one there to socialize with it's almost like it's built in
1: yeah I actually uh, heard a stat that two-thirds to three-fourths of children in the US have had an imaginary friend so that's a large
0: population of US children that have had imaginary friends so do, so you uh, is that stat trying to say that in different parts of the world it's less common I think they just did a study within the U S and that's okay. what they were. Because you know, that thing you were talking about earlier, the personified objects, like maybe Dave and his blankie or Dave and his, it's not
1: Dave and his blankie. I never well, said blankie. It's it, no, it a stuffed animal. Okay. Dave and, and a stuffed action animal. and action figures.
0: So those, those kinds of things that's super common in the West because we don't sleep with our children. And I, that came out really wrong, but you know what I mean? It's like yeah. in, in different parts of the world, we don't say, Hey, look, kid, you have to go sleep on your, in your own room as a baby, <laughs> you know? So that's why we get really attached to little blankies and little, we need that comfort. So I think I'd be little, why, why are you like belittling the children? I know. I feel bad. I am doing that. You want to know what it is? I've never had imaginary friends. I didn't have a blankie. I didn't have a, a booby. I didn't have a stuffy. Oh I didn't goodness. have any of that stuff. <laughs> Do you like look at your kid and go, Oh, you're going to go grab your little blankie? Yeah. You say, yeah, yeah. My my youngest son has a blanket. I'm like, where did I go wrong? Look at this guy. So you I, what I think you,
1: another another phrase for the personified objects, which I, I thought was cool, is transitional objects.
0: Mm. What does that make you think of when you think of that transitional? Um, transitioning from, you know, like if if you're spending less time with your mother, close to your mother, and you have to transition into independence, maybe that's something that helps you do that. Okay. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's well, it's, I think we're both, we're both thinking similar, maybe different, just in a different um, form. But like, I think it's transitioning from a, uh, a train of a way of thinking. So one of the stats I heard was it typically starts around the age of four when children develop the ability to understand that. Other people have their own minds, uh, different emotions than them, different thoughts, different views. So they start to give the objects their own personalities because Mm -hmm. they're it's like transitioning out of it's like a transitional stage. I guess is what I how I envision it. It's like going from one stage to this idea that like, hey, other things can have other personalities, other views, other perspectives.
0: I can have a conversation. Again, if you transition to the next stage after that, and you're still carrying around your blankie like a toddler, you're going to get bullied. Sure. I think that's the way it's going to work. So I know what I think of too, that must be happening. Remember when we talked about Billy Milligan and we talked about dissociative identity disorder and how a traumatic event could happen. And you create a personality inside your mind that shows up and, and takes the place of you because you can't deal with it. Yeah. I, I know that this thing, this phenomenon happens with, you know, troubled kids too, like inside troubled homes. So that must make, that makes perfect sense. Instead of like creating something inside your mind, you create a little friend that you can kind of, you know, confide in and these things, they they can represent, you know, fears and your concerns, your interest. So they can, they can, they, they don't have to though. I mean, it could just be that your child's imaginative. Yeah, it's, well, it's,
1: I I think that you highlighted something earlier. It's uh, so you said like the firstborns are more likely, yeah, um, only children. So it's that idea that when we're left alone, we might develop this this object to be able to interact with right Mm -hmm. so i really think it highlights that natural compulsion that humans have for interaction and socialization even as early as age four right yeah like being always would you're you're always talking about how like humans are made to be interactive and be social so i feel like this is just another example of that kind of train of thought so i feel like that this really strengthens your argument
0: dave trust me i love it when you strengthen my arguments because this is super useful for survival. You're absolutely right. It's, it's almost like how planning is developed. Like, think about this. So being social is a condition of survival for human beings. That you can't argue with that. Like talking to each other and, you know, creating a plan. That's how we survive. That's how we take down the woolly mammoth, right? Being able to do that. And how do we do that inside of our minds? Like We still even do that now when we have something big coming up or we have something we have to take on we create these like little avatars of ourselves inside of our brain and we send them out to do the job. Like, so we have like a little imaginary version of ourselves. We send them out to talk to someone else and we can kind of think about how they're going to react too. And we have this whole plan about how things are going to go inside of our head. And that's, you know, so useful to our survival to this day. I mean, isn't that adults using imaginary friends and is imaginary friends just the the building blocks of being able to plan and understand and, you know, navigate the world around you better. It, it just, it yeah. seems like it's kind of healthy. Yeah. So, I
1: mean, and there's some evidence that shows that the children who have imaginary uh, friends are allowed to practice com- like socialization and language and that strengthens their skills in those areas. So some of them will will kind of test higher in, you know, things that have to do with socialization and also it like it's a way for I think adults and children like if I were to th- you know you mentioned adults earlier I, I think that this is a way to also like it's just about comfort, right? Mm. And companionship? Sure. And I think if it, an adult were to form an imaginary friend and this is more me talking like you know, kind of guessing and trying to understand that whole thought. I feel like that might highlight that that person feels a lack of companionship and a lack of friends maybe.
0: And it's all, also, I think for parents who have kids who are, are dealing with this, which is, you know, obviously this is not an illness or anything, but they should ask their, their children about their friends. Like, tell me a little bit about your friends. Cause you know, it's going to tell you a lot about what your kid's afraid of, what they're, what they want, what, how they see the world. It's going to give you some insight into who they are. And it's also like this, this way that they can approach awkward situations. And, uh, you know, cause you've done that thing where like, you know, you're saying, Hey, I have a friend who is a little worried about this thing and he's really just talking about himself, yeah. Like, kids can use imaginary friends in that way too. So they do serve a lot of purposes. Like it's not just because the kid's lonely, there's no evidence that the a child has to be troubled to be experiencing this. It's just, you know, of course, you know, that can be the case. I think a lot of the time, like I'm saying, the purpose is like a scapegoat kind of thing. Do you think that's like, that, that could be a lot of it too. Like I remember my son, I'm just thinking of this now. He didn't have an imaginary friend or anything like that, but I remember when he was potty training and he was trying to go to the bathroom, he came and he was like really upset about what happened. And he came to me and he said, dad, someone pooped in my pants. (laughs) <laughs> it's like, Jack, uh, okay. Like good. Like you could tell he, like, he like thought through that. Oh, he's like, dude, how do he's, I, he's literally, on gonna, someone else?
1: he's going to murder you in your sleep. For all
0: that <laughs> Although that th- that's when things do get kind of scary though. Right. When your imaginary when, friends, when their dads tell a story about them, Blaming,
1: pooping their pants on an imaginary friend.
0: Yeah. 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 That is when it gets scary. You're right. Well, I mean, it's not all good. They can have negative effects. Like they can, it promotes that rule breaking and that disruptive, aggressive, you know, behavior. And it gives them an out to kind of be like, no, it wasn't me. Only when they're telling you to do bad things. Well, if they're telling you to do bad things, that's when parents (laughs) want to start paying attention. Yeah. (laughs) Because. That's when you get start talking about like, is this a part of a mental illness? Because... Yeah, is this psychosis of some sort? Right. They...
1: Yeah, I, and I, you know, so you, like you said, you I guess you want to get curious, you want to ask questions, things of that nature, but also you don't want to like
0: worry. Yeah, but how what? creepy is it is if your kid's telling you, like, why? Hey, why did you break the lamp? Oh, because blanky told me to, or whoever. Dave, I don't know how you name these things. You probably have a bit more insight on that. And then, like, how would you handle that as a parent? I guess you would have to be like, well, I don't care who broke the lamp. Everyone's in trouble, you know? Yeah. It's, it's an interesting situation. I doubt that's what most parents would say, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's I mean, not real.
1: You yeah, did yeah. it. <laughs> how right? would you handle
0: it? I mean, would you, do you lean into saying, like, yeah, I think you're supposed to go with it a little bit. And not yeah. shut it down until it gets, and, and I guess, until it gets kind of dark. But the thing is, the thing you got to remember here, and there's like a really cool word called the imagination. All, all it really means is the kids experiencing this are, it's, they kind of know it's fake. So it's like somewhere between imagination and real belief. And I think we can all kind of relate to that. I know I can. Like if I, like if I drop a stuffed animal on the ground, I, like a, I remember I had a pet monster when I was a kid. You, you must have had that. So did you, ha- did it have a personality? Well, no, but what I would do if I dropped it on the ground and like fell on its face, I would pick it up and I would probably apologize to it. Just hedging Why my bets though? and being like, Hey, sorry, I don't-, I don't, I don't buy this, Greg.
1: Are you serious? You are selling us a story that I don't buy. You had definitely given it a personality and now you're, you're re- realizing you omitted quote unquote, another, another story here. And now you're trying to cover your tracks.
0: I think I was just playing it safe.
1: Oh yeah, and, you know, and, you're... And if I
0: was falling asleep and there was you know I baby Greg trying to
1: play it safe, trying to hedge <laughs> his bets here.
0: I'm not saying that i I was completely without imagination because if I was sleeping out of my cousins and they had stuffed animals and they were I would turn them and I'd be like, you're not gonna watch me sleep. It's weird, you know, because I so at some level, I you, was thinking you were a creepy we
1: kid. That. you were a creepy kid.
0: I guess so. yeah,
1: you turned all your stuffed animals away from you, yeah, and then and then scolded them.
0: I didn't scold I would never scold them because I was making sure... You just sure said that you they, told them
1: you're not gonna watch me sleep. I didn't that want them would tickling my feet at night. <laughs> you're a strange man. You were telling campfire stories at the age of four yeah. to your whole family.
0: No, that's actually there true. I, I told, what do you guys think about uh Urban Legends, huh? <laughs> Yeah. That was what me you, for a thousand. I know a percent. couple of those. My kids would to go to the I mean my kids, my uh my cousins wouldn't go to the bathroom at my grandparents' house because I told them that it was over an Indian burial ground, and they they just believed anything. I guess. Um, when is this? When is this a problem, Dave? I mean, did you look up anything about that? I, I guess just Wait, when it becomes. what was that supposed to mean?
1: I, I mean, when is, like, <laughs> did you, you look up anything about this.
0: that? You, you can't just let your kids go on and on and on and on. <laughs> There's more but,
1: way you said
0: it. <laughs> I mean, when do you think you need to kind of pull the plug on this thing, or or do you? No, I mean, I guess.
1: I don't know. It it sounds like something like we already kind of described, like you would, I think it's, it's a good idea for a parent to ask questions, get a sense of, you know, who this imaginary uh, character is. And then I guess get some professional help if you feel like (laughs) it's beyond something that's the scope of just an imaginary friend. Are you talking about how long do you allow them to continue with the imaginary friend? And let's
0: say this is not like something beyond that. Yeah, I, I think so, because there is a course that it runs, and what's weird about how these things typically end is the children usually kill off the imaginary friend in some sh- way, shape, or form. I mean, it has, do we know that
1: to be true? I I heard something along the lines that that can that can happen, but don't you feel like it's probably more likely that kids just eventually grow up and move on?
0: Yeah, I didn't kill I off don't know. any
1: of my. Characters that I created, you know what I mean.
0: You didn't kill any of them. No. All right. I didn't need to. I just stopped playing with them. So what happened? So they're still alive. I think I'd rather have them be killed off. Still alive. (laughs) So we're not worried about. I mean,
1: I I mean, granted, like, like I said, I didn't. This wasn't my my version of it. Wasn't like the you know the cookie cutter (laughs) version of imaginary friends, where it's like this thing that like pops up and taking rides in my my parents' car with me or whatever.
0: So I guess I didn't have to like part ways. I just could. Yeah. You can't not. really call them imaginary. Cause it's not like you imagined like a GI Joe. You just gave it a little personality. Yeah. Probably probably like it, like it already had. It's like, you know, Oh yeah. He's an army. He's in the army. He's real. Yeah. Tough. But he had Like a backstory and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, I think that's awesome about imaginary friends though. They have like a little imaginary lives of their own, like jobs. Yeah. And, and he was lactose intolerant. Yeah. He's been divorced twice. He didn't join the army until it was, you know, almost in his mid-30s, which is Mm -hmm. kind of rare. (laughs) He really loves the color purple, but he's been afraid to tell his friends about it because he's afraid to tease them. That would be the type of imaginary friend you make up. Um, What's interesting is this is all over pop culture. We don't normally get to talk about pop culture that much. It's like too much. It's too much over pop culture. Yeah, maybe. Um, Too much. We can go into it a little bit. They they need to tone it down a little bit, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Did you see the movie Donnie Darko? Yes, of course I did. What did you think about that movie? It's an excellent movie. So I watched it for the purposes of this. And then I was like, that was, there was no purpose in doing that for this. No. Not really an
1: imaginary friend. I don't think you needed to watch anything because you've seen a thousand things. That's true. Like, and there's things that you probably didn't even, you wouldn't even have thought of that
0: touch on imaginary friends. Like, Can there you, are so many. Give me some. so many. Aside
1: from the list that you made.
0: Well, we <laughs> can we start share. there, I guess. I mean, we can talk about some of my favorites, I guess. So you mentioned Drop Dead Fred, which I love. I think it's the the if there was a Mount Rushmore of imaginary friends movie, this would be I think on the this would be the George Washington of it, right? How I love Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense. He sees ghosts. Is that imaginary friends? <laughs> See, that's where that's when things get a little dicey, too, Dave. Yeah. What if they're, what if they're connected is to the spiritual world? Yeah. You know?
1: Oh, I I know when it's when it's ghosts when you're not in reality anymore. Okay, Dave.
0: You're you're (laughs) a lot of fun. You're a barrel of laughs. But you know, I feel bad for you if you ever have a small child and that child is seeing ghosts and you're like, no. Maybe your G.I. Joe's are talking to you and maybe your blackie you're feeling really close to, but no, that's impossible. I think so. What about hide and seek? Robert De Niro. Yeah, Robert De Niro. That movie was that's a good one. Yeah. Harvey which I feel like Donnie Darko really pulled from Jimmy Stewart. I don't know that one. Castaway is a, is a, a great example of
1: how, like what well, we were talking about that kind of building companionship and trying to engage yourself in that socialization when it's not, not available
0: to you a hundred percent. It's, it's a survival tactic. And it's interesting that the name of the movie, well, maybe the name of the movie could have been survivor, Right. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Survivor man. Survivor man. And, uh, you know, he makes friends with the the volleyball, Wilson. And you almost can feel like it has a, a little bit of a personality, don't you think? Mm-hmm. And then there's Jojo Rabbit, which a movie I completely love. And Hitler is the boy's imaginary friend. Oh, I never saw that. Oh, that's that's up there. And then one of my kids favorite movies, Sharkboy and Lava Girl, both imaginary friends. Yeah. I mean, so is there anything you wanted to add to that? So, uh, kind of on a different track, here's a a,
1: a scenario I want to pose to. Okay. So, growing up, you know, I don't know what your household was like, but, you know, both of my parents worked multiple jobs. So, there was periods of time where, you know, I might be home alone. And I feel like that. And, and we didn't have all the electronics we had. Like, we didn't have, like, you know, eventually video games were were around, but it wasn't like the kind of games where you're playing for like nine, 10 hours like kids might these days. It wasn't like, um, you know, modern warfare, like campaigns and stuff like that to play. So, I mean, I feel like we had to create our own entertainment in some way, shape or form. And we've talked about this, like maybe going outside, playing in the woods. But I mean, there's periods of time where you had to, Occupy yourself in the home, right? And I, I think for me, that's when like what I'm describing about my my version of the imaginary friends, that's when my imagination really came to life. I would, you know, how I I had this little play area in the basement of my house, and it mm-hmm. like literally was like a little world that I was able to like step into and I would go down there and I would have like everybody like doing stuff in this little town that I created. <laughs> and like <laughs> You know, that's, I feel like as a kid, that's how you would occupy yourself. You, your, your imagination was utilized. And we were also kind of from a generation where TV really started to become the way that we were raised as well. So like, I, I can, you know, remember sitting in front of the TV watching like Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers, all that stuff for periods of time, Nickelodeon. But again, it was like, it was different than today's children. I feel like
0: where they don't leave screens. Well, listen, I couldn't agree with you more. Like, it seems like there's like this sweet spot where, you know, before maybe like, you know, up until like the 19th century, kids, instead of having imaginary friends, were off to work. Right. And they didn't have the time to do that. But we grew up in a time where, you know, pretending was this kind of awesome thing. Where yes. you, you could go outside and you could, you know, we had this game called Missions and we would like just go on. We were on these kinds of missions and we would talk to each other like we were Navy SEALs. We or could come, like
1: We would come up with the greatest games, like the most imaginary games and give them the worst names. Yeah. Missions. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, but that's exactly what we would do, though. We would have like these intricate games that were, that were so elaborate and then we would give them the worst possible name. But like, oh,
0: we had this game called it was called um, No Way Out. And it was just all about us, you know, pretending that every car that went by was a kidnapper. And we would just yeah. like, oh, there's no way out. <laughs> you know what I mean? We have to run from them. <laughs> no and like, we out. would each, like, we would talk to each other in these ways, like, oh, you, you got to do this and get over to this house and let them know. It, it, it was just so much fun to kind of be immersed in your imagination. I mean, we would do that. We would have like, we would play blood sport, you know, like karate oh, yeah. tournaments. Yeah. I mean, just pretending that you were something, you know, I don't know, different from yourself it was just so much fun. I used to pretend to be a dog. No, Dave. <laughs> why? I like dogs. It, like, you're the only one that, like, like demoted yourself on the evolution. I shouldn't say that. People love dogs. I mean.
1: People love dogs. Me and your yeah, dad. And you were just a dog, and then fans. you would
0: just, like, go what? Just kind of, like, roam the neighborhood? <laughs> yeah. I had a dog, and we'd be dogs together, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what was the name of that game? Dogs? Dogs. dogs being dogs (laughs) so my point to this is i feel like imaginary friends and imaginary scenarios were probably more likely to happen like in our generation growing up than in today's generation where imagination does not is not utilized it's not promoted it's not like encouraged as much it's I mean, it's even on our TV and what we watch, and this is like kind of really a stretch, but like we're we're a generation and society where everything is shown to us these days. There's nothing left to the imagination. You know, I of course I always bring things back to horror movies, but like Friday the 13th, the original Friday the 13th, there is zero gore. There is zero blood. Everything, all everything is implied. Nothing is shown. Yours. Yeah, exactly. A lot of imagination. Now you, you bring it to movies today, literally everything's shown. And, you know, there's some of us that love that, but then there's some people that are like, that's way too much. But it's just like, we cannot leave anything to the imagination anymore. Our
0: imaginations are useless. Well, Dave, maybe our imaginations are useless, but you can't say that across the board globally because there's still something going on in Tibet and they believe in something that's been written about quite a bit. And I'm only going to go into this a little bit because when I was researching this, it seemed like something we could do our, uh, a standalone episode on, but they're called tulpas, which essentially means thought forms. And that's where monks believe that they can bring something into existence with their thoughts. So it's like this willed imaginary friend. Like the Buddhists came up with the idea and practiced it today. And there's hmm. also this Tibetan book of the dead. And what, what they're basically saying, Dave, is like, if they get together and use their, you know how we've talked about before, like whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. And the power of thought and that story I told about the guy who thought he did well in the SATs, but he really didn't, but he came, became a doctor because he thought he was smart. Yeah. It's like, imagine these monks, you see what they can do. They can like be in freezing cold. They can, you know, you could you can put a match out on them when they're like meditating, whatever. And they think that they can create forms with their thoughts, like entities. Now, you think that that's crazy, but we talked about in the um, the Urban Legend- Legends <laughs> episode about Slenderman, right? I didn't say it wrong this time. Um, <laughs> Slenderman. <laughs> Slenderman. Yeah, like, so that is, you can say what you want. That was obviously thought up. And people have died because of it. It's the same concept and concept creep. Like, you know, we give names to diseases or mental illnesses and they start showing up. So there's power in this. And there's this quote from this guy who actually is this this woman and her husband have both written in depth about these things. And there's a little creepy thing that I read. And it says, once a tulpa is endowed with enough vitality to be capable of playing the part of a real being, it tends to free itself from the maker's control. Hmm. So that reminds me of, and talk about going off on a tangent here. It reminds me of AI. Like, you create something, and then it kind of becomes its own thing, and now the people who created it have no control over it anymore. Yeah. Strange, right? Yeah. Like, what do you think about that? Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Well, I'm as you bring up AI, it kind of makes me wonder if eventually as AI gets more and more enhanced and uh, just we get more... I don't know, apt to using it and understand how to use it. Is that going to replace imagination? Cause everything is going to be look real.
0: Well, it's going to re- replace imagination. <laughs> it's going to replace effort. It's going to replace like, you know, deep thinking in general, like in general, it's like, remember when we talked about, I don't know how many times we brought it up, especially in the early episodes about, you know, the powers that be trying to control the population with, you know, the Bible or, urban legends or you know whatever it's like you know if you want to learn something you type it into the little chat gpt or the ai thing and it gives you the answer that it wants you to have and yeah. you accept it just like people accept it. it's this it's the new religion really like what's the answer to this here's your answer okay i'm going to blindly accept that because this computer just told me that's the answer mm-hmm. it's kind of dark yeah and it's scary and you know what so so are we
1: are we on the same Train of thought that in today's society, imagination is very underused to
0: the point where its imaginary friends might become non-existent. They might become extinct. There's a movie like in there somewhere of it's just like a world of like imaginary friends who aren't being used anymore. I think it's called Neverending Story, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's actually a good point. I think that is part of what
1: they're getting across there the nothingness yeah. the lack of imagination is the nothingness
0: yeah like what are we without imaginations like we can't create anything without our imaginations and that game missions that i used to play with my friends yeah like kids just like sit on the bed and play fortnite that's missions yeah that's missions now you know i mean there's no point to go outside and play no. missions and sweat your ass off
1: no and i mean just bringing it back to that never ending story thing because yeah i do think that that is actually what they're trying to get across to us when you like they're using like reading as like how you get but like we know imagination is more than just about like reading a book like you can you we used to use our imaginations for missions for you know pretending we're dogs yeah (laughs) yeah i remember like just going in the woods as you know as a kid and like thinking everything looks so magical and like all the different scenarios you would see in a woods that like an adult would look at and be like, this is nothing. Um, So, I mean, I think that's it. It's like just that underutilization of our imaginations brings on what brings on nothingness. And it's sad because I, what I actually think it brings on is kids no longer being kids. It's this growing up too soon, which we're seeing all the time. Like, well, growing 10, up 12 year old, 10 to twelve-year-old or never year growing up. Well, I actually like ten to twelve-year-olds having conversations with me about stuff that, like, that was not what I was thinking about at between ten and twelve. Yeah, like they're thinking about adult content. <laughs> like, yeah, no, you. We were you're giving right them a rating. Actually. They are rated M at like
0: ten years old. At twelve years old, I was like making maps of the woods, and these kids are, you know, they've got like real problems. <laughs> yeah they have
1: adult problems now (sighs) and and to me it's because it's this loss of imagination It's this loss of because when you don't imagine you don't play right you you lose innocence you get involved in things like because everything has to be seen you have to see everything at that point you don't you're not you can't imagine what it looks like you need to see what it looks like so it's kids like you know they might get on to the internet and there's tight, they're searching stuff to learn about it way too soon or just to see what it looks like. It's just, it really does open up this path to,
0: I don't know. And you know what it is? And that's why kids these days are like the big word is I'm bored. Like you could have took them to, you take them to the beach, you take them to like four things in one day and you come home and like, I'm bored. You're bored. It's go play with the stick or something like use your imagination. And you say that to them and it's, it must be like, what is what are you talking about? What, what do you mean? I, it just, I don't know. It's sad because they were this, you know, comforting presence, you know, unless they weren't, but they're, they're that, and they were, you know, a window into our kid's psyche and it could help them mm-hmm. help us like know them better through learning about their imaginary friends. It helps them learn themselves better it helped keep them occupied. It helped pra- them practice to become more social people, more inventive people, more useful people, more creative people. Yeah. Um, where is that? Like, what? what is that? I don't want to start sounding like this is starting to sound a little bleak, but. But I think we're
1: identifying something that I'm sure the whole world knows is a problem mm. or maybe they don't. Maybe some people think that this is OK and that I, I don't. I, I honestly don't, and I, people can argue with me on that point, but I just, I genuinely think that the current way that we use ele- like electronics and technology is actually stunting the socialization of our youth, and it's allowing them to not properly learn how to deal with problems. They're having adult problems at way too early of an age. And they don't know how to handle them because they shouldn't even be approached
0: with them. And they, you know, it's just, and it's lonely. They're lonely. Oh yeah. They're lonely. They've never been connected to more people through the internet, Yeah, but they've never been more alone. You know, I, and this is, I mean, we're on a tangent now and that, but this is okay.
1: Cause I just want to get this point across and this would probably be better even served on our episode about borderline, but like it kind of even is present here. Um, yeah, you, what you just said about they're connected to so many people, but like they're so lonely. In like internet relationships, social media relationships, like those ones where these kids have never or these people have never met in person. They, I, I get like how that connection can be helpful and important at times, but also, I've seen so many times where it's also devastating, and it really does make people not like cherish or view relationships the way that you might if your relationships are mainly in person because they're so surface level and fleeting like it's so easy to just not like to stop interacting with somebody because like you never have to face them you never have to see if they're it's you hurt so their easy feelings. to
0: like criticize someone or bully yeah. someone over through a screen because you don't have the consequence of yeah. seeing like real emotion on their face and like it's like we're creating little sociopaths. Yeah. So on one side,
1: you you have that, you know, the people that are really, you know, can leave really easy and they're not really learning how, like, how it impacts people when you do things like that. And then on the other side, you're seeing a bunch of people getting into these patterns where they learn that people leave me. People will leave me. I'm not really good enough. So they, like, start to really feel this lack of self-worth every, t- but then they like jump into another one, re- another relationship really quick online so that like I can get that feeling again because I really want that connection.
0: But and the reason why they need to keep jumping from person to person and keep that feeling going is because they never learned how to be alone with themselves yeah. and how that like you can be alone and still be okay. Because you can make you just, your own friends inside your head. Yeah,
1: I was just going to say, you just need an imaginary <laughs> friend. But I mean, so, it, yeah, it, all I, comes, I, it all comes full circle. and I, No, it really is, does. So this is kind of what, you know, this was a really long explanation of the point I was trying to make is I feel like our generation and probably, you know, the generation after ours, like kind of immediate after ours, that 80s, 90s, even early 2000s to an extent, like I feel like they benefited from the lack of technology in a bit, in in a way. And like, I know that technology is good. I know that it brings comforts into our lives. It allows us to connect in so many different ways. God, if we didn't have technology during COVID, how would we ever have gotten through it
0: the way we were able to? So technology, People, proud sponsor of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. It's yeah, such, No, Dave, I, I, I'm with you. I, I, don't, so I don't know if I'd be like a technology apologist. I think that it's kind of, you're right. Like it's helped like in so many ways, like medicine and all these things, but I don't know. I think that like more damage than good in some yeah. ways. I, th- I think it hasn't helped for medicine for the soul. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to Tibet. Yeah. Still, you know, they're still doing it. You should um, go. You know, you ever get the feeling that when you're talking, like when you see parents or like on TV or whatever, dealing with imaginary friends, it's almost like the the kids are gaslighting the parents. <laughs> Doesn't it <laughs> seem like that? Like, oh, you don't see them? You got to buckle up little, um, or you need to buy an extra Happy Meal for, yeah. you know, Eucerin. Um That was one of the... The imaginary friends' names that I was I was told: Userin. I'll just give a little list there: Sherry, Mister Easter, Pepto, Blumen, or Blue Man, depending on how. Oh, I thought was, you were gonna say Bloomin' Onion, <laughs> and Billy and Skeeter. <laughs> oh, Skeeter too. Yes, shout out to Skeeter. Yes. So, like, let's just remember, like, a little recap here that you know, listen to our to the kids when they're talking about these. It's it's in a way for them to like let you know who they are like their fears and their their wants and you know the way they view the world their concerns how they're feeling it, it's it's a good reflection of that and also it's a way for them to learn to be social so kind of lean into it unless yeah. they start saying you know userin once like is mad at your daddy and he doesn't like you anymore and he's going to hurt you when you're sleeping so then it's time to maybe have a chat other That's than fun. that i think you know it's a it's a healthy thing not an illness at all and in fact, I think that if your kid's doing this, ah, bless you. You right? They're they're
1: probably gonna be a well socialized kid.
0: hmm And might or, or
1: really creepy. <laughs> yeah. Or just <laughs> weird. <laughs> no, so I mean I, I think the whole point, just I mean, just to emphasize this point, is I think some parents might find it troubling, scary, all that stuff. And what we're basically saying is Be curious, but don't jump to conclusions that there's anything wrong, because most Mm. likely
0: this is a natural part of being a child. Three-fourths, right? That's what you said. Three-fourths of Americans. So if if your kids don't have imaginary friends, they're probably lying to you. (laughs) You've made them feel embarrassed. So, all right. Well, shout out to your neighbor. Shout out to to my friends, John Eric, Mike Burke, and Pete, and those others who stayed with me. All those years ago. Sneaky Pete. Sneaky Pete. And shout out to Dave and himself and the the crew that played dogs. Just just one. Just dog. That's right. Dude, I don't know. I'm like in shock that you didn't have imaginary friends out of everybody. Dude, everyone pretended to be a dog though. But I, I don't think I pretended to be a dog. I think I pretended to be like a lion.
1: No, I didn't pre- I'm i shocked that you didn't have imaginary friend. Like you look like you would have been an imaginary friend kind of guy. Thank you. I don't just know saying. how to... Like I yeah. feel like I could almost envision you in your room practicing the story you were going to tell at like the dinner table to your family, to your imaginary friend. Like, what do you think they'll think of this?
0: Yeah. Um. Then I'm. Then they'll
1: say this, and then I'll say this. It only takes you like
0: scripting it with your with your imaginary friend. But to crush Thanksgiving right now. Um, no. Yeah. And, oh, and, and no, then, I've always been confused the by it. I've, I've always been the door. Of, I've always been a little scared of it. Like I've always wondered if kids. I've always been aware that people had imaginary friends. And I've always wondered to myself, are they seeing things? Because I don't want that. And I still, after doing the research and the podcast, I, I think that they're not. And if they are, that's not good. God bless them. God bless them. <laughs> All
1: right. Yeah, hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back next week with uh, another topic for you. We hope you enjoyed this. Maybe you found it enlightening. Maybe you found it foolish. Maybe you, I don't know, maybe maybe you thought it was awesome. Mm, Maybe you thought it was awesome. And if you did, please leave a review wherever. See you next week. Have a great day. Great night. Great evening. A good breakfast. All that good stuff. Yeah. See you later. i know ne-
0: well, i'm gonna be honest i never look at the outline holy shit you didn't even look at the outline i never do dude you never do i swear to god i never do <laughs> oh my god all right there's really no point there is well you're the one that taught me the outline
1: yeah but then i realized it was pointless